Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Well, my name is Sean Wadiemi. Most people know me as Sean, but I prefer Sean, if you can pronounce that. <laughs> because if you think about it, in relationships, we all begin relationships with our marketing departments leading the way. And one of the things that, even before reading your book, that uh, stuck out to me is the one person that God is going to use to sanctify me is my spouse. But my pressure of, hey, let's enjoy this, challenges her to look at her meaning of, does money actually provide security? Here's what our budget is. Uh, Here are the things we need to spend money on. You now go and say, okay, so now I have the freedom. I can go spend money on these things because for me, money is more about the experience. It's, I'm trying to walk a fine line with this, Sean, because <laughs> there's, there's not a clear-cut answer to that question. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. And here's your host, Sean Adeyemi, President and Senior Financial Planner at SA Capital Advisors. Welcome to the Dollar Savvy Show once again. I'm your host, Sean Adeyemi. Thank you for joining us. If you have missed our past episodes, you can find it at dollarsavvy.ca. The last four episodes, we've been tackling a a series on money and marriage, and we've talked about communication and learning to listen. And over the next two episodes, you're going to be listening to an interview I had with Dr. Corey Allen, a marriage therapist based out of Dallas. Uh, We talk about the issue of confronting insecurities to allow for vulnerability. Uh, Many times, couples stop talking and they hide themselves from their spouse uh, because of insecurities or issues that they may have or past problems that they may have or past mistakes they may have made. It's important to confront some of these insecurities because these insecurities would allow you to be vulnerable with your spouse. And who better to be vulnerable with than with your spouse? Because being vulnerable with your spouse enables you to have a closeness that you otherwise would not have. So we talk about what vulnerability vulnerability is and why you need it in a marriage and what prevents people from being vulnerable with your spouse. Uh, we discussed the idea that communication never really stops in a marriage, even when there is no verbal communication. The question is, if communication is essential to marriage and it doesn't stop, even when we stop speaking to each other, The question is, what are you communicating? And is that enhancing or breaking down your marriage? And we talk about how gender and biological differences affect the way we interpret life around us, especially when it comes to the meanings we attach to money. And how to understand those meanings that we attach to money and how to align that meaning, like your meaning, with that of your spouse. So those are just a few of the things we talk about. Um, I hope you stay tuned and enjoy the show. And I believe that you'll get a lot as just as I have from this interview. Thank you very much, Dr. Allen, for joining us today on the Dollar Savvy Show. It's a pleasure and a delight to have you on here. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, for those who don't know who Dr. Allen is, uh, I've been enjoying your radio show for the last couple of weeks, uh, just listening to it. Uh, but before I get into that, uh, can you tell our audience a little bit about who Dr. Allen is? Sure. So I'm Dr. Corey Allen, um, marriage and family th- therapist by training. I have a private practice here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Also have an online practice coaching Consulting, helping with all kinds of resources and information, including the show, which is at sexymarriage.net. The show is Sexy Marriage Radio, um, currently co-hosted alongside my wife. Uh, We're about seven and a half years into this journey of the show where we try to tackle the whole concept of married sex in a healthy way and want to help the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation Answer their questions, where if you've got something that you don't know where you can ask it, no topic is off limits with us. 
we'll cover it in a straightforward, honest, non-vulgar, non-crude, hopefully helpful way, because we want married sex to be uh, fantastic for couples, and we think it absolutely can be because marriage is such a sacred thing. It's one of the things I've enjoyed about your show that even though you're talking about a, a topic such as sex, it's it's not awkward. It's almost like sitting in my doctor's office and having a conversation with my doctor who knows me very well. So listening to your show feels that way. It feels very comfortable, even though it's a topic that can be very can be somewhat sensitive. Sure, and that's it's a sad thing that people don't talk about it enough. Kind of like money. But it's yeah, it's one exactly which. So it's hopeful. Hopefully, we can at least start conversations. That's the goal, and then that helps couples navigate the world in the in the stressors that they face. Correct. I I've I've been reading your book, uh, the Naked Marriage, and I must say that it has, uh, it's somewhat countercultural, in the sense that some of the things you talk about in there, uh, it doesn't seem like. It makes sense. But when you really look at it, it actually applies. You talk a lot about uh, the myths of the myths couples believe and, you know, being one with your spouse. However, you have to your spouse not completing you, but rather you are complete before you meet your spouse. And those are things that on the surface, it sounds like, no, your wife should complete you. But in reality, when you break it down, uh, it's the coming together of two complete people who stand, who are able to stand independently on their own, which allows them to draw closer together. Can you talk a little bit about the book before we go into specific um, well, money conversations? Sean, you just did a pretty good job right there. <laughs> the whole concept, in my view of married life, is that when you have two fully functioning people, that bring to the relationship themselves constantly working to grow, evolve, mm -hmm. and and be more um, engaged in their own life and in their own relationship and choices, that's when marriage thrives. That's when life thrives. Um, obviously, things happen in life with crisis and tragedy and struggles where you rely on the, the support of a partner to help you through that too. But if you stay in that, you suck each other dry. That's the whole concept of it's two ticks with no dog. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, it's starting to see it through how do you view this whole thing as fundamentally, I believe marriage is designed to help us grow up, period. That's the point. It's not about happily ever after. That's Hollywood and Hallmark. So the more I recognize that there's a process going on, the may maybe then the better I can confront it and actually get the benefits and experience what I'm hoping out of marriage along the way. One of the one of the things that I found really profound was just the idea that two people who are independent can draw closer together when they're both more comfortable confidence in their own skin because in marriage a lot of time we talk about you know uh, even when you look at the bible it says show show um i'll do one another in love you know uh, mm -hmm. look out for the needs of the other person and so mm -hmm. marriage is a place where uh you look to give of yourself to your spouse and even though that's true uh, one of the things you pointed out was that in order for me to be able to give to my spouse, really fully give to my spouse who I am, I need to know who I am. I need to be confident in who I am. Yeah, I, I have to have a something to give. <laughs> I have Correct. to have a self to give. Otherwise, what am I doing? I'm not, I'm not really giving anything. It's really I'm trying to get something because I don't feel good about myself. And one of the things that even before reading your book that – uh, stuck out to me is I've always known this, that the one person that God is going to use to sanctify me is my spouse. And so when you said something that marriage is not just to make you happy, it's to make you grow uh, because your flaws and your weaknesses become magnified in your marriage. And the job of marriage is allowing that process to take place where you are both growing in marriage, uh, which I think if you're both growing, inevitably leads to a better, more open, right. more transparent marriage. One of the one of the topics that I really kind of want us to talk about is the whole idea around vulnerability. Is uh, 
what is vulnerability? Why do we need it in a marriage? Why is okay. why is it that uh, people get married? They have this lofty ideas that oh, my wife is. Uh, I mean, I love my wife. I'm going to love my husband. But then, as the marriage goes on, I find that in, in many cases, the person, one person, you should be vulnerable with, which is really your spouse. We sort of hold back. We sort of uh, hide ourselves. Mm-hmm. How? Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, sure. I mean, uh, it's it's one of those. Whenever I look at it through this lens, that whenever um, I'm wanting to reveal something about myself, it's easier to do with someone that's not high up the chain of importance. Because if they reject myself, I, it doesn't matter as much. Like if I if I think of myself as I'm funny and I crack a joke with the drive-through attendant or the barista and they don't laugh, it's really not that big a deal. Right. But if I think of myself as funny and I crack a joke with my wife and she doesn't laugh, I all of a sudden start questioning my own view of myself Mm -hmm. because she matters more to me. And so her response matters more to me. And so therefore I get caught in this crucible, if you will, of how much do I reveal versus how much am I willing to risk her not Mm -hmm. confirming or validating. And so that's the pressure cooker of in the drive wheel of us being this, having to grow up in marriage of being able to face how can I share who I am while knowing she may not like all of it, but is that okay? Does that mean I don't share all of it? And that's the that's the big struggle of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of how do I do that and navigate that without controlling all of it, but also more importantly, how do I start to see that there's a process going on because this is the whole, the whole concept to me of developing intimacy Mm -hmm. and intimacy is the idea of, I know my spouse, but they know me too. I have to have both sides of that for intimacy. One of only one side doesn't create intimacy. When you put it that way, it, it does, it does make sense why spouses would, would hide from each other or would refuse to reveal who they really are to them, to their spouses, because they, I guess their opinion matters the most. Their opinion, uh, sometimes we think it's a reflection on us. And so if, 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 a, if a complete stranger doesn't matter as much, then I don't mind, I don't mind sharing my, my life with them because I don't really care what they think. But with my spouse, I do. Right. And so because of that, I, I withhold things from my spouse or I, don't, I, try, not, I try to be this perfect person or this well I at least try to portray it <laughs> portray it <laughs> right that because if you think about it in relationships we all begin relationships with our marketing departments leading the way um, because they're putting on the persona of what we think someone else will like mm-hmm. and then when we get into it deeper and this is where the struggle of long-term relationships does its best work it, you start to realize my marketing department does isn't running the show anymore because it can't because they mm-hmm. see what's behind the curtain. And so there's that element of I can hide those things of me that I deem are the worst in me or the unrefined in me or the nuances in me that maybe I don't even like about me. But Sean, there's also the other component of there's parts of me that I don't even know yet too mm. because we all are evolving people. right? And so – there are elements of I'm faced with things in marriage where, okay, I don't know why I feel this way about that. I don't know why my reaction is this way. I got, it hasn't really been borne out yet. And so it's not that I'm necessarily hiding. It's just that I don't really know mm-hmm. But I'm with somebody that wants to know. Are there, are there things we shouldn't talk about in marriage? Are there things that with your spouse should, should remain unspoken that's um in in general i think that there's marriage is best when it's built on a level of transparency Mm -hmm. but there's also aspects of life that are not my spouse's business (laughs) so it's it's i'm trying to walk a fine line with this sean (laughs) because there's not a there's not a clear-cut answer to that question um are the are secrets okay in marriage 
Yes. Are secrets destructive in marriage? Yes. So it's that it's that whole ah, how how do you really know where you li- land on that line? Mm-hmm. But there are things that if I can view this as am I needing something out of it from my spouse for my own well-being? If I get too far into that realm, I start creating a fused mentality to where their my well-being is totally dependent on theirs. And I think that's when I start to get into trouble. Mm. But if I can see it as, hey, I want to know more of what makes you tick, I would love to know some of your stories. If I can look at it as it's still going to be threatening when I hear that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But if it's not major threatening, then maybe that's closeness. Because actually there's an element of if I'm actually bearing my soul with someone, some of that's not going to be pretty. And it could be scary and it can be threatening. And yeah, I got to be a grown up to be able to handle that without overreacting. Would you, would you say that that's the biggest place where communication breaks down, where you feel that by revealing yourself to your spouse, uh, it might appear threatening. Like how do couples get to a situation where they don't talk about these things, where communication completely breaks down? Um, especially when the subject of money, I've, one, one of the things that I talk about with my clients a lot and those who, um, who hire me is that uh, there should be a oneness when it comes to money. Now, uh, I usually prefer that um, all the account, all the monies come to one pot and then you decide what to do with that um, thereafter. But there's also strong evidence that in some cases, the money can come into separate pots, but your goals have to be aligned so that you are using that money to build your life together. But how do couples get to a place where they're not having those conversations? What what makes what make communi- what makes communication break down so much that it becomes two separate individuals who are just more like roommates? Okay, so one of the things that I fundamentally believe is that based on what you're asking, in some regards, a little bit of your premise needs to be shifted in my view. Okay. And the main, the main shift to me is communication doesn't break down. We are always communicating as human beings. We're some of the most sophisticated creatures on the face of the planet. And everything we do communicates and everything we don't do communicates, especially in committed relationships. Because, you know, if I walk in or you walk in tonight at the end of the day and you throw your keys onto the counter and you head to the back of the house and you slam a door. You haven't said a word, but you've communicated very, very clearly. Don't come near me right now. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's the problem with married life, particularly around the hot button issues like money and sex fits in this category and kids fit in this category and in-laws fit in this category. Those are the main four that couples fight about. The problem with that is it's not that we don't communicate. It's that we don't like the message. Mm-hmm. We don't like the meanings attached to it. And so we get into these gridlock things of I'm trying to get you to change your meaning rather than we need to learn how to create room for both our meanings. Because we don't fight about things. We fight about the meanings of things. Mm-hmm. And money is one of the most meaningful filled things there are. <laughs> because right, right. We, we all view it for different things. You know, it's it. it, it it's not, it's not just a dollar bill. It's what does that dollar bill, dollar bill create for me? One, it could be safety and security. One, it could be things. One, it could be status. One, it could be food. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many things. And most of the time, I think couples get into this parallel living because I know my partner's meaning and I don't like their meaning because <laughs> it goes against my meaning. One of the topics you touched about in your book that I I think I want to go back to for a minute here is that we process life how we've been taught or how we've seen our parents do or the environment in which we grew up in. And sometimes that's where the disconnect comes from because I process life through a completely different lens than you do or that my spouse does. And so because uh, the way I process life is different, I want my spouse to to think of life through my lens 
or and I want and your spouse wants you to think of life through her lens, even though both of your dynamics growing up are completely different. Right. Let's talk about that. I mean, I've read the book, so I, I somewhat understand it. But I, can you shed some more light on how our upbringing and our the mindset we bring into marriage affects uh, relationally how we process these things? Okay. So uh, a lot of what you're talking about is just family of origin patterns. That what we're modeled is what we often discover or believe is normal. You know, it's it makes sense because that's what we were raised around. And we then marry someone who was raised around something that had a different pattern. And then, you know, one of the things we're failed to it's been, it's been failed to mention to this point, we need to bring into this though is you also need to look at the whole biological difference of men and women. Mm. That generally speaking, women attach meanings that are different than men because women are different than men, regardless of what the analogous world that they're trying to create where there's no difference between human beings and genders. There are differences between human beings and genders. On a very biological level. Right, absolutely. We're wired different. We're created different. If you have a biblical worldview... Adam had a different purpose than Eve. So there you go. From the very beginning of this thing, we have a different wiring. We have a different fundamental essence of what makes us quintessentially male or female. It's not just penis and vagina. There's a wiring deeper Mm -hmm. in there too. So it's seeing it as that's the struggle of seeing I mean, the, okay, let me give you this one. So I was raised in a family where anytime the world of money came into the, to the picture, it was incredibly tenacious and incredibly quiet and secret. And, you know, there was always, it was just never freely spoken mm-hmm. about. And it delivered the message of this is something don't touch. This, this, is, this is not comfortable to deal with. Well, I meet and marry and fall in love with a woman that's a CPA, where money is anything but a secret. It is all wide out in the open. Excel spreadsheets are everywhere. You know, it all needs to balance. We've got to get down into the weeds of it. And that drives me the most crazy because that's different to what I was raised right. with. Well, neither one of us are right or wrong with what we want in the way we view it. We just have to realize the way we go about this whole thing is different. And it takes quite a bit of time to wrestle and allow each side to have room to to reside in the way they like it and view it, but also have room for the way I reside and like it and view it. Mm -hmm. That it's actually a both, not an either or. So a both, not an either or. I'm, I'm... I agree with you. I, I get it. This is a hard thing because we're talking about a finite subject of money, right? Because there's a finite yes. to money. It's not most, – most people I'm assuming we're talking to live in the same kind of world you and I do as far as socioeconomic structure. Sure. That We're not sitting here just sitting on piles and piles of cash where it truly is just infinite. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Correct. But, at, at the end of the month, at the end of the month, I got to make sure I can cover everything. <laughs> I, yeah. I get it. So – but so I, I mean, I'm talking about both in the context of the meaning of it. Okay. Because from this example, um, my wife, when she looks at money, her fundamental meaning of money is its safety and security. It's paying the bills. It's it's covering our retirement. It's covering and helping out with kids' colleges. It's it's a wedding for our daughter at some point. It's stuff for our son at some point. You know, it's mm. it's. It's things that are all safety and security based. To me, money is a means to go and do things and have fun and own things, right? And so those two meanings clash, right? <laughs> right? Because I'm I'm the dreamer, creator. Hey, let's go do this. Hey, let's go do that. And she comes in with her Excel spreadsheet budget and kills all the joy to me. And so how do I see it as... That's not a kill a, a killjoy. That's actually a practicality purpose, and that can be very beneficial. But it rubs my free flowing. We'll figure it out mentality. Mm-hmm. 
because I was raised around debt. She wasn't. And so I had this thought of, well, we can't afford it, but the credit card can cover it. So we're good, you know, and, and that's something I had to wrestle with to realize that's not an appropriate way, the best way to go through life, just because of how the burden that can place on your life. Mm-hmm. And so it's just seeing it as, it's not about there's a both in the sense that we both can be free flowing and get what we want with money. It's that there can be a both in how we view the meaning of it, that those both can simultaneously exist. And as the more I can understand what's my real meaning I'm wrestling with, how does it align or misalign with my partner? Now, at least we can start to figure out what elegant solutions might be available. So if I take that thought, uh, if I hold on to that thought. So what you're saying is that for you, where money means, you know, having fun going out uh, or being able to enjoy life in the moment. Uh, but for your spouse, mm-hmm. it's more about making sure the books balance, making sure that all these things, your your responsibilities as a, as a family, your your bills, your kids are taken care of. There is room for both from the meaning standpoint to apply where the spouse, the, the spouse with the security in your case, your wife says, OK, here's what our budget is. Uh, here are the things we need to spend money on. You now go and say, okay, so now I have the freedom. I can go spend money on these things because for me, money is more about the experience, right? Exactly. But her pressure of don't be flippant about this challenges me to be more pointed in what do I do with it rather than just being free-flowing, spontaneous, and irresponsible Mm -hmm. in some regards, right? But my pressure of, hey, let's enjoy this challenges her to look at her meaning of does money actually provide security? Well, it could give us a next meal and it can maybe help cover it to where we don't pass along anything to our kids in the sense of you need to take care of us, you know, that we're doing some personal responsibility. But maybe there are some things she could enjoy now that are, because that's one of the biggest things that I've had to, this is the biggest leverage I've had with her is we spend all this time building up this nest egg to, to retire. And when we actually can retire, we're physically not capable of enjoying it as much as we could now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some regards, that's not always true because we're living longer and healthier in general and we're still as mobile, but, but there's still a lot of the possibilities. And so we've now evolved and worked really hard to where this is our fifth summer that we're coming up on where we take a month and just go travel as a family Mm -hmm. and just go enjoy things, just do an adventure together. And that's kind of, you know, if you want to think of it, it's like a mini retirement each month or each, each year, year. one month where we just go, we just go do and have fun. But we've had to really create a story to make that happen by living simply by not following the normal status of American, I got to build the next biggest house. I mean, because in Texas, you know, you got to get the biggest house. And then once every room's full with kids, you got to get another bigger house. It's got playrooms and all this kind of like, really? No, you don't. You can live, you can live completely within your means and below it actually. And that affords you to do a lot of cool things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, but that's all, that's all meaning stuff. Sorry. I didn't catch that. You know, that's all that's all talking about the world of meaning meaning correct because if we don't if we don't understand our meanings we can't get to now how do we make this practically work so what are the steps you think when there are just two meanings or two opposing or different worldviews and in some cases the both don't even realize what their worldview is and right. They're fighting, but they don't know what they're fighting about in some cases. Uh, right. How does one, how, how does, how does one begin to deconstruct what that meaning would look like or could look like? So that was part one of my interview with Dr. Corey Allen. Stay tuned uh, for the next episode to listen to the rest of this conversation. In the meantime, we have Couples Corner coming up next with DJ Doors E and Meyer 
of the Dorsey Den podcast. Um, stay tuned and hope you enjoy this. But before that, here is a message from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by GM Travels and Tours. Now, if you feel money is tight and the idea of traveling with your family is out of reach, GM Travels and Tours can help. Serving over 100 plus families to date, GM Travels and Tours specializes in making travel affordable for you. With destinations in Canada to the U.S. and international, your next planned trip could be days away. One of the things I like about GM Travels is, assuming you're you're planning to travel next year, sometimes it's hard to figure out where the cash for that will come from. Well, GM Travels has the perfect plan to help you make that vacation possible. Use the dollar savvy code TRAVELDSP. Email GAM Travels and Tours at gmail.com. That's G A M T R A V E L S A N D T O U R S at gmail.com and plan your next family vacation today. GAM Travels and Tours travel affordably. Couples Corner on the Dollar Savvy Show, and we have a couple here, Terrence and Meyer from the Dorsey Den podcast. Terrence, Meyer, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you guys been married? Well, we've been married um, this August, it actually be 15 years. So we'll we'll be selling 15 years in about, what's that, three months? Three months. Yep, in about three months. Three months, exactly. Yep, we'll be celebrating 15 years. We got married in August of 2004. August 7th. That's amazing. That's amazing. You guys have kids? Two. Two kids. How old? Yep. Our daughter, 10. Our son, 7. Wow, that's amazing. Uh I have little kids myself. I have a two, um, three kids. Sorry, <laughs> my wife shouldn't hear that. <laughs> uh, I have a three-month-old girl and two boys, a four and a five. Well, so, that's why you forgot because you got a three-month-old, so you, oh, it's still yeah. fresh. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still sleep deprived. You know what I mean? Oh, oh yeah. totally. So, how would you describe each other when it comes to money? Uh, in terms of your money personalities. Mm. I think we know that uh, very good. Absolutely. I'm interested to see what you're going to say. All right. Well, I would say that she says I'm the more spender and (laughs) she's the saver. Correct. That's what she says. Right. But what do you think? Um, I I agree. Um, that, that was in the beginning that, but now, you know, that, we were we've matured you know we got married when we was 23 24 so now that we've matured um it's still the same it's still the same but i spent i don't spend money on just stuff it's not as reckless say that again i said it's not as reckless yeah it's not as reckless no it's more it's more purpose-filled Mm-hmm. I don't do more for your businesses. Yeah, and, because yeah. I spend money to make money now. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah. Sense. So so, but everything that I I spend money on is, is for a purpose. Because mm-hmm. I called him the Walmart King. I mean, he would go to Walmart <laughs> every day when we shared a bank account, and I would see purchases on there, and I'm like, "Why did you go to Walmart today? Oh, I had to go get someone." So, like, you were just at Walmart yesterday and the day before yesterday, um, you know. So, we had different spending practices early on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Terrence wasn't a packed lunch kind of person. I was, you know, and so I think we had to really come up with some parameters early about what those spending practices were going to be in order to be fair, you know, right. because you can't eat out you know, lunch every day and I'm packing lunch and then I can't get my hair done or get my nails done or something that I want to do because I'm trying to conserve and save money and you're, you know, eating out every day, you know. So those were big things for us early on in the marriage. Um, We later on found out it was better for us to have separate accounts. Um, It kept down the arguments. So we knew what we were responsible for paying for and that's kind of what we've done and we've done that I would say probably the last eight years and it's worked um 
initially we were counseled in marriage counseling to put our mar- money together. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, while that's great for some people, it just didn't work for us because of the way that I am about saving and spending it became more of a thorn in our sides in the marriage than a benefit. So we realized that we needed to have separate checking accounts and have a joint savings account. And so and that, a, that and worked. A, and a joint checking. We have a joint checking. We have a joint checking too, but like bill pay kind of comes out of our individual checking accounts and then certain things get paid out of the joint checking account. And then right. we save. So, I mean, it may not be ideal for everybody, but for us, we realized that money was always a point of contention for us because we struggled so early on in the marriage um, financially. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because of just making so little of it, thinking at 23, 24, when you're making $24,000 a year, fresh out of college, I felt like, hey, I had hit the jackpot. That's you know what I mean? <laughs> but when you start um, looking at your bills and your lifestyle, it wasn't a lot, you know? And so we were really struggling because we came into the marriage. As soon as we got married, we had a house. Um, and so Ooh. that comes with all kinds of unexpected expenses. You know right. what I'm saying? That yep. you don't prepare for. Um, of course, we didn't have a big nest egg, you know, saved up for us for a rainy day. Because again, we're 23, 24 years old. So we're not thinking about that happening to us. That sound like that was dated. Like we're good. We have a house. You know, the house is the same amount as we would pay for an apartment. So we'll be fine. You know, not thinking that we're going to have a four and $500 utility bill. You know, right. Um, and we're making just enough to cover, barely get by with groceries, gas, and what we needed to do. So early on, uh, money became a um, struggle for us. And as a result, to keep down the arguments, we had to get creative on how we managed that um, together. That conflict, right? Yeah. So Terrence, how have you guys been able to, for instance, plan for your future and I, I essentially combine your goals with with having separate accounts because I think this is important for couples who may struggle with joining their money together. I mean, ideally, I always recommend joining your money together, but I also understand that in some situations, just the personality types, like you guys are saying, can mm-hmm. cause a conflict rather than uh, create an avenue where you can talk freely about money. So how have you been able to navigate the individuality that comes with having separate accounts in terms of your goals and your objectives as a family or as a couple? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, as you was asking, I was thinking of how to explain it. Now, even though we have separate accounts, we still have a joint vision in a sense. So, and and what I mean by that is, as you know, I'm a DJ, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I work a full-time job. I don't mention which job I work at because it's a top 500, Fortune 500 company, and it got strict social media. So I don't really mention where I work, but it's a, it's a, it's a big bank. But, um, I initially, I was going to go full-time DJing and I'm like you, I was I was running in the industry, touring with artists that we both know, um, going across the country, doing different shows. And after a while, it was like, you know, things were picking up, picking up, picking up. And I was like, you know what? I think I should go full time with this. Also doing parties, weddings and things of that sort. Then when I started thinking about it, I was like, you know what? I like having multiple streams of income. So what I ended up doing was I decided not to go full time with, with DJing. I stayed at my job because of benefits because of mm-hmm. 401k because of a pension uh, unbeknownst to me i didn't know most companies don't offer pension but the company i work for we still get a pension so when i think about long-term planning i have to think about retirement 401k um pension and life insurance and things of that sort so we have all that so that's the reason why i stayed on to my job because i'm like you know what as a full-time dj i have to make sure i set that money aside right but working with a corporation i'm able to you know pull out i'm i'm getting matched like you know my company matches us up to a certain percent right so you know i max that out 
uh, as well as Maya. She she has a retirement plan that, you know, she try to max out as well. So we know in the long term, we're saving through our different investments. Uh, we have real estate that we're trying to get rid of, but we have real estate that we have. Um, when I look at my DJ business, it is an investment. Correct. Um, so all the equipment that I buy, the sound system and the lighting, it's an investment that, and that's what she said earlier, I invest my, I, I spend money more wisely. I don't really spend money unless it's going to make me money. Unless, you know. I can't I can say that's true. That has been a change. And I didn't think about it until this very moment. Um, I think when you're younger, you know, as a 23 year old, for example, when we got married, when you first got married, when we first got married, of course, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to go get this new CD today, you know, because he was really into music and CDs was a thing, you know, Um, or, oh, I'm going to go buy this shirt or whatever. I mean, but now that he is pretty much five days a week at his day job and, you know, three nights a week on the weekends DJing, that's pretty much his life. You know what I mean? So now his finances kind of support his interests, you know, his day-to-day interests and what's Mm -hmm. going on day-to-day. So I I didn't really acknowledge that until now, but I'm like, oh yeah, that is true. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. His expenses are big expenses, right? I mean, you know, when you're buying speakers and equipment and this, that, and the other, computers and all this stuff. But I can see that it is an investment and it's not something that's just frivolous that you're just buying for the moment. Yeah, because I mean, like when I invest in sound, it's going to, you know, I invest in sound to last me three to four years. Right. And it pays for itself within a couple of gigs, you know. Right, because once you go out and you get gigs, you get paid for them. It's not free, right? Right, Right. And and I gig let me put it this way. I probably have four to five free weekends a year. Mm-hmm. So that goes to show how much I, I work. Like I like this past Saturday, I did four events in one day. Yeah, I oh, saw your post right. on that. I'm like, wow, that's yeah, a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the most that I've ever done. But usually it might be like a Friday, two on Saturday. Four on, four on a weekend. Yeah, like it might be a Friday night. Uh, early day Saturday, late night Saturday, and then something on Sunday. So that's usually my weekend. It's like it's always humping. Um, so, but but in reference to your question with the finances, one thing that we just really like right now, we have life insurance. Uh, we have homeowners insurance. We own multi, you know, a couple of properties, and just making sure all those bases are covered. Uh, making sure the properties are covered with hazard insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, making like she has life insurance. I have life insurance. She has life insurance through her job. I have life insurance through my job. But then uh, we also have separate life insurance through a our insurance company. Right, too. right. Like our so insurance, insurance company. is in multiple places. Yeah. yeah, like we have one broker that deals with all of our insurance from mm-hmm. uh, uh, life insurance, home insurance, car insurance, um, uh, landlord. Yeah, landlord insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, like he does all of our insurance. So we like, even when it comes to insurance, we want to make sure that we're not underinsured, not overinsured, but rightly insured. Rightly insured. Yeah. Um, and then medical insurance. Uh, like I said, the other, another reason why I didn't go full-time DJing is, you know, me and you both know artists, music artists. Yep. And I always, when I thought about it, I was like, you know, now technically I could still go full-time. She could pull the medical benefits. You know, like put me on her medical benefits, right? But yet and still, like when it comes to like vacation, you know, we're big on taking vacations. If I'm DJing, if I'm not working, I'm not making any money. There's no extra. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and and of course, I could save up to pay myself. You know, I was gonna say. I mean, doesn't mean it won't be a vacation. Yeah, not be as many. Yeah, yeah, Uh yeah. But I mean, you know, I just look at the benefits of being able to have a full time job. And um, I I don't know if you ever read the books by Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Oh yeah, Cash Flow Quadrant. Like out of those four quadrants, I fit into the employee and the self employed. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. And, and and at first I was kind of like, man, I was so entrepreneur in my mind. I'm like, I got to go full time entrepreneur. And I was like, you know what? There's nothing wrong with operating within two different quadrants, too. That's true. So. So, you know, I think just to kind of sum up your question, when I was 23, I had a mindset of one thing. Now, now that I've matured, it's like 
I'm all now I think about my future a lot. You know, I don't want to be 60 years old still trying to scrape $20. Right. I want to be in a position to where we're like, I don't feel like working no more. Like she has a 10 year ago within the next 10 years. Like I plan to be retired. She plans to be retired in the next 10 years. So, and she'll, she'll be 30 at that time. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, but, uh, you know, um, we, we're, we just think about our future a lot because, you know, we've seen people who might work a job for 30 years and another company comes in, buys a company and they lose all their retirement benefits. Or we see people that work for 30 years and didn't even think about retirement until the last five years of retirement. And then they like trying to hurry up and save and then they can't retire mm-hmm. because they don't have enough money. So, you know, we're in our upper thirties. So we're just trying to really think about those things now. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's sorry, go ahead. Do you want to say something? And one thing I wanted to say to people who are inspiring or new entrepreneurs and you're married, okay? Um, Sometimes you may see a vision, you know, one person that that entrepreneur may see a vision that the spouse hasn't caught yet. You know what I mean? Um, That does happen because while I believed in him, I, I felt like he can do whatever he wanted to do. I never held him back from doing anything. When you are not in a financial position to transition into entrepreneurship, you do have to consider your partner, you know, because there is some degree of fear because while entrepreneurship is a level of risk, right? Because it's like you have to put sweat equity in before you actually get financial equity. Correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a level of, when he, I'll never forget when he first started to, decided to go into DJing, and he we got a tax refund that year, and we don't really get substantial tax refunds. I don't know what we're doing wrong, but we don't. Okay, and so um, we this year we we got a tax refund. Let's just say it was like you know twenty five hundred dollars or something like that. That was huge for us because we just had never received a tax refund of that amount. Okay, right. about in two thousand twelve thirteen. No, that was like when you first started when you got the computer. It was that, no, that was like 2012. Okay, so no. so you talking about 2012? We got married in 04. So you talking about eight years later? We had this decent tax refund, and so um, he said, "I need to get a MacBook." Now, mind you, I'm unemployed. You know, we're financially struggling. He had tried to do Soul Symphony, which was um an event that he did promotion promotion event that he was doing that wasn't generating money, but he kept tapping at something, but it wasn't producing money. Right. But I have two kids at home. I have a three-year-old and a baby at this time and I'm unemployed. And as a woman, I want security. Right. You know, I want to make sure. Yeah. That my bills are going to get paid. I want to make sure I'm going to be able to provide food for these kids. And that I can thrive, you know? And so when he didn't took, he swears him down, he he didn't take the grocery money, but he did. When you take the grocery money and you put it on your event and you're like, babe, I'm going to get this money better. Not so much not to trust in his ability, but because of, you know, your need, it's a, it's a level of fear there. You know what I'm saying? Like, are you going to produce the money for us to have what we need to be, get through this month? So I just want to speak to uh-huh. the couples or people who are new in entrepreneurship that has a partner. It's tough. And it's not about not supporting. It's about making sure that you're secure. So you do have to make sure that certain things are in place. Going back, I think we would have done things a little bit differently. If he, if we would have known he wanted to go into DJing before he discovered it, we could have prepared for it. You get what I'm saying? So we kind of had go through, you know, by trial, you know, this whole building process of him becoming a DJ. Now, right. eight, nine years later, did it pay off? Yes, absolutely. It has paid off. But initially, when I'm looking at him and he's saying he wants to buy a MacBook computer, that's twelve, thirteen hundred dollars $1,300 out of a $2,500 tax refund. And we're struggling. It's like, dude, for real? <laughs> You know, but we got bigger priorities. Right. And so he was like, babe, trust me, this is an investment and I'm going to make good on that investment. You know, that was his thing. Uh-huh. And so I did have to trust. Now, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't like, OK, 
you know, but it was like, <laughs> okay, all right. You know, this is not all the money, you know, so I'm going, I'm going I'm to I'm be okay with it. But I just think that's important because sometimes when you have a vision and your partner may not, you may not feel like your partner is supporting that vision. It may not be lack of trust. It could just be there is some concern there about security, mm-hmm. you know, because that's, that mm-hmm. does matter. We can't live in a box. You know, especially when we have children, because it's different if we would have did this in the first five years when we got married and we didn't have kids, you know, because cool, we can live in a box until you, you know, get this thing up off the ground. But when you have children who are dependent on you, it's like, wait a minute, I'm all we have. You know, we have to make Mm -hmm. this thing work. So I just want to point that out that people entrepreneurship is a beautiful thing, but it's a process. Definitely a process. It's a process. And looking back, I wish we would have done some things differently financially in order to prepare us for, you know, this transition with him into DJing. One of the things I love that you guys, that that Terrence said is that you have a joint vision. Mm -hmm. And so this year uh, is probably advice I would give for those who struggle with, uh, even having you having the same accounts or using the same accounts like you guys have with with in terms of how how that worked out at the beginning of your marriage, even though you've you've gone to separate accounts, one of the key things that I take away and I think our audience can take away is that uh, you need to have a joint vision. You need to have joint goals. Absolutely. You need to be having these conversations, right? Yep. Uh, your spouse has to be able to. You need to be able to have an open conversation with your spouse. Uh, just like you said, Maya. You know, he's an entrepreneur. Here, here there are things he wants to do. But he's having that conversation with you mm-hmm. and you're talking it through to make sure that whatever decisions you make, his making, you're comfortable with it and you're both on the same page. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And that's key. Uh, usually my last question would be uh, what's the advice you would give for couples? But you already kind of did that is just staying together, having those conversations and making sure that your spouse is comfortable with the decisions you're making mm-hmm. would you what would you summarize that as 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 a key part of your of what you've learned absolutely and and not take it you know and, and not be offended like it's okay for your spouse to say hey where are you on this like where are we going you know um especially as a leader of a home you know um the man is supposed to be the leader of the home i believe that um but sometimes it's hard to follow a leader when you're like, where in the heck are we right. going? Follow you know? Leader, leader, um, leader. And so I think it's important for a man or a woman um, to be clear on where are we headed? One thing that we do that I make a practice is that every towards the end of the year, we start having a discussion about the next year. Um, it's probably in December. We're starting to think about, you know, what vacations do we want to take? Um, what home improvements do we want to want to do? What business goals do we have? Because I also have a nonprofit organization called the Girls Project. And while the Girls Project um, looks differently because I don't really make money, I have to raise money in order to keep my organization going. So it's a different aspect with fundraising versus bringing in income. Um but at the same time, that's a, the conversation that we have. You know, here are the goals that I have for the Girls Project this year. It's going to require this, that, and the other. Because sometimes, even with a nonprofit, I have to pull money out of the household to fund that. Right. You know, so it's so important for him to be aware of what's going mm-hmm. on with that. So I, I would say definitely um, sitting down at some point, whether it's a three month goal, six month goal, or twelve month goal. And really having a discussion on what you want. Because he would say, hey, babe, this year I only had, you know, 50 gigs. Next year I want to have 75, you know, because that matters to me. Uh And it matters to me because it's time, Mm -hmm. you know. It's time away from me. It's time away from our family. And so all the trips are great, you know, and not struggling is great. Being able to go to Kroger's or the grocery store and not worry about, you know, Buying ramen noodles and pasta because that's all I can afford is great. Do you got Kroger's there? No, we don't have Kroger's, but I. <laughs> you, okay. but that's why I said grocery store. Like, what the heck is no, Kroger's? I, 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 I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. 
all that's great, but at the same time, it comes with the sacrifice. Right. You know what I mean? So it's still very important to have those conversations because while you're out there aspiring to be this, that, and third, your partner or your family, your children, your friends, they're still impacted. Okay. So it's always great to have a conversation. If I if I can add to that, um, one, one of the things that I believe and one of my biggest sayings is patience is the name of the game. Um when it comes to entrepreneurship, even with marriage, patience is the name of the game because a lot of times we can't really see the future. And I like, I don't know, I, I don't, I don't really like with our podcast. We don't really get into like, and I think I told you that we don't really get into like a lot of scriptures and things of that That's sort. Right. But something that comes to my mind, if if you don't mind, is you know when it comes to like prophecy, uh-huh. we can't see the whole picture. We only see it in parts. That's right. So I think when it comes to um, entrepreneurship, but also marriage, we don't see the whole picture. We only see it in parts. And one thing that I've learned from being an entrepreneur is when you're working, it always produces more work. I always say a gig produces more gigs, but I don't before I go. Like, for instance, I DJ a uh, NFL draft about a week and a half ago. I had no clue that that week it was going to produce eight different contracts. Uh. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things to where I say patience is the name of the game. Um, uh, just just like like Jesus told somebody, he said, just occupy till I come. Just work, just work, just work, just work, work on the marriage, work on the business, work on your personal finances. And sometimes you don't know what's around the corner, what might end up happening. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, so work I, with expectation. Yeah, and, and I know one thing that Maya said, I think, uh, not this new year, but the last new year, she said, I just I just kind of want to be open to not really having expectations. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we, hey, you want to make God laugh, we'll just tell him your plans. <laughs> yeah, I heard so, that before. So, so I think sometimes we can have a plan but just being open to sometimes a detour in order to get to that plan, or you can have a goal, but just having patience. And then next thing you know, like being a DJ was not an aspiration for me. Mm-mm. Never had a conversation, but it was something that I was just open to it and it happened to come and it was a thing that took off. Mm-hmm. So I just say patience is the name of the mm-hmm. game when it comes to anything, entrepreneurship, marriage. And when, when, when you're doing finances together, you have a goal in mind, but I think also just being open to what can possibly happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell this quick story real quick. Um, I remember I'm in banking. I'm in, I'm in real estate banking. And I remember when I first started, I had a supervisor. I, no, let me back up. I wanted to be a loan officer. Like loan officer was my dream. Uh, I worked with... Um, like builders and appraisers and and uh, um, things of that sort. And then I seen these loan officers making a lot of money. So I was like, I want to be a loan officer. I had a manager who was very um, uh, supportive. Mm-hmm. He was very pr- pr- uh, supportive. And he came to me and was like, I see an opportunity for you. You know, let me mentor you. And, and I'm like, no, I'm going to be a loan officer. And sometimes I look back because I, then I end up becoming a loan mm. officer, wasn't making any money, got another job, got laid off, got rehired, got laid off. So I made it in my mind, like, you know what? I would never leave my family. And at the time we didn't have any kids, but I would never leave my wife in that position to where I leave my job to go a hundred percent commission. So in, in, in turn, I'm, I'm saying that to say, I almost kind of forgot where I was going with it. Is be open we, and be patient to where whatever possibilities boom. and opportunities that God may present to you. And right, uh, I think one of the key takeaways. And I missed. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, and I missed it because I had somebody that was trying to give me an opportunity, but I was looking somewhere mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And I missed the opportunity. Being yeah. patient, being open-minded, and seeing where God will mm-hmm. take you, but also making sure that your wife is 
is on the same page with you. Your spouse is on the same page with you. You said something that is really key there that uh, sometimes you may not just take all those gigs, not because you don't want to, but because it takes you away from your home. It takes you away from, from you, from your wife and your kids. And those are important as well. So you need to be working on not just your career or just bringing in the money, but also working on your marriage and your home and making sure that that's, that Absolutely. stays together. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Terrence, Maya, it's been such a pleasure having you guys. Thank you so much. Same. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you so much for joining us yeah. at Couples Corner on the Dollar Savvy Show. Real people. Yes, sir. Real people, real stories, real life, real struggles, but real hope. This has been Couples Corner on the Dollar Savvy Show. Thank you so much for listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. You can find us at sacapital.ca slash podcast, and you can reach us at 1-888-365-8883, extension 377, or send us an email at podcast at sacapital.ca. You've been listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Adeyemi. Thank you. Madden and Mitchell Media.